Good morning. Hope you all are having a good weekend so far. I'm uh, Max Katzbach. I am the pastoral intern, or for my office lovers, which is a show, I'm the intern to the pastor. <laughs> what we're going to do today is we're going to look at God's Word. We're going to dive into it and see what it says. So we're going to be in Proverbs 10, 17, but before I read or do anything like that, I know for me, I must pray. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to look at God's Word. And if it just so happens to be on your heart to pray for the preacher this morning, then pray. <laughs> Proverbs 10, 17 is where we're going to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that when we wake up, your children's mercies are new every single morning. We don't have to rely on yesterday's mercies. We get to rely on your new mercies today. I know that there are wounded brothers and sisters in here that need encouragement. So let this sermon be an encouragement. I know that there are Christians in here who are just playing games. So let this be a rebuke and challenge to them. I know that there are non-Christians here today that need to see your glory and your beauty. Father, would you be graceful? Would your grace and mercy reveal that to them? Father, we pray this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs 10, 17 says this. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life but he who rejects reproof leads others astray all right let's pray just kidding i could leave it right there i could just go home at that Right, it seems pretty self-explanatory right here, but I think Solomon, what he's trying to do is he's trying to point out two types of people. I think the first type of person that he's trying to point out is the person who heeds instruction, right? And then the second type of person is the person that rejects the reproof. But in here, I must give a warning because it is passages like these that we can come to and misinterpret and then misapply to what it really means. So we have to go through this passage and we have to go through it carefully. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at those two types of people, but I'm also going to give a warning because sometimes, like I said, we can look at a passage like this and put something into it and believe a deadly and treacherous lie. So the first type of person is the person who heeds instruction. 
now. I'm going to stop at the second word in here because I know it was helpful for me and I think it may be helpful for a few of you out there too. Now, heeds could also be translated into the word keeps. So if we come to this verse, we could actually translate it as whoever keeps instruction. Whoever keeps instruction is on the path to life. But we have to stop at the next word because it would be absolutely crazy for us to come to the word instruction and just assume that we know what it means. See, it would be crazy that when my son is born and he's at an age where he can start to understand and I'm going somewhere and I say, son, keep my instruction and I just walk out. I hope he would have enough common sense to ask me, well, Father, what instruction should I keep? And for my brothers and men out there, I'll break it down to the most basic thing that I can think of. Instructions are usually the things that we throw away after we open up the box when we have something to assemble. Instructions on the most basic terms is something that teaches us, right? But I just don't want to give you this definition on the most basic terms. What I want to do is I want to look at what Scripture talks about what instruction is. And I think if we look at Proverbs 13, 13 and 3, we'll see that. Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself. But he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Now let's look at that passage really quick. Because if on the most basic terms instruction is teaching, then what this passage is saying right here is teaching, the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. And a good question to ask is, well, what teaching? And we see that in verse 13 of Proverbs 13, that the teaching that they're getting it from is the commandments. And where do you get the commandments? None other than the word of God. See, biblical instruction is the commandments of God from the word of God. And if we are following that passage right, then the teaching of those has a reward. And what is this reward? Life. It kind of sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Proverbs 10, 17, whoever keeps instructions is on the path to life. Verse 
this is where, though, we have to stop and where I must warn us as believers in Jesus. Because I don't know if, if that kind of makes you a little tense because it kind of makes me a little tense because sometimes we can come to God's Word and verses like this and read, whoever keeps instructions is on the path to life and think, if I keep commandments, I get life. Keep the commandments, get life. Obey God, earn His favor. And I need to tell you that that type of obedience leads people to hell. That type of obedience could be labeled as a type of Christian karma. This is what Job's friends believed in. If you've never read the book of Job, we see that Job is being afflicted and his friends come to mourn with him for a little while. But what happens after they get annoyed with Job for not repenting and not owning up to his sin is that they tell him, Job, the reason why this is happening to you is because obviously you did something against God and he is punishing you for it. Because their thought was, I obey, good things happen. I obey, I get life. Jesus even warns us about this type of obedience. At the end of his famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus ends a sermon that I don't know I've ever heard any preacher end. After he gets done teaching about the Ten Commandments, he says this, Many of you will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do this? And didn't we do that? We casted out demons. And do you know what Jesus says to them? Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, for I never knew you. If we approach this passage with the thought of, if I just obey God's commandments, I get life, that is a scary thing to believe in. See, the more appropriate term for this isn't Christian karma. What this is is legalism at its root. And I don't know one of us that isn't bent towards going, going towards legalism. All of our hearts are bent to run towards legalism. I keep the commandments. I get life. This subtle lie has sneaked into the church. And this may even look like stuff like, if I just read my Bible in the morning, I'm having a better day. I know I've been guilty of that before. If, if, if I wake up and, and I read the, the Bible, then, then I'm bound to have a better day, as if God is going to reward me for reading the Bible in the morning. 
And then we feel a sense of guilt. That because I didn't read in the morning, now I've got to read double the next day. This could also look like, you know, I've been obeying God. I've been living in His will. Why has He not rewarded me yet? Obviously, because I've been obeying the commandments, I should be getting rewarded by God because me obeying earns favor with Him. Church, these are subtle lies that creep into our hearts. Even ones like, well, I attend church on Sunday or I go to this and I go to that. So that's obviously what earns me favor with God. That's what means I'm good. I want to tell you a quick story about how this subtly played out in, in a friend in, in Maya's life. All right? I was in the, in the Czech Republic one uh, summer for a basketball camp. I went with my old college, and, and we went on there to, to, to put on a basketball camp. And then at the end of the trip, I was able to preach. It's in this small, it was, it was the size of a garage. It, actually, it, it was a garage. There was maybe 30 people, 40 people there worshiping. And the next day we, we left and we got to the airport in Austria. It was a one-way flight from Austria to Chicago. And for whatever reason, unbeknownst to me, our, our tickets, we had our tickets, but we didn't have seats. There were enough seats in there. So when we got our our tickets, they told us to go to the gate so that way they could seat us. And when we got our real tickets, where we were going to be sitting, our friends, my, my friends and coach, were saying, this is where I'm sitting. I'm sitting in row 32, row 32, okay, I'm in row 31. And then another player said, well, I'm sitting in row 12. And me not even thinking about it, one, because I'm really hungry and really tired and just want to get on the plane, I'm not even looking at my ticket, and sure enough, it says row 3. Now, I don't know how planes work, really. So I figured it was, you have business, rows 1 through 10, economy, 1 through whatever. Sure enough, I, I'm sitting on first class from Vienna, Austria to Chicago. Don't know why, it just happened. Now, when we got off the plane, and this is where legalism is so deceptive, when we got off the plane and I was waiting for my friends and, and coach, they, they caught up. And one of my friends said something so subtle, and I agreed with it because I wasn't thinking about it at the time, and I probably actually even believed it at the time. He said, wow, Max, you must have preached so good that God blessed you with that first-class seat. That is legalism at its heart. The reason why I sat in first class was who knows why, because that's what God had. It wasn't because my preaching pleased him at all. It was because it was just a, a blessing. And this creeps into our hearts far too often and far too much. See, this passage is not saying Whoever keeps instructions, whoever keeps the commandments of God, gets life. What does the passage say? 
It says, whoever keeps instructions is on the path to life. See, keeping the instructions doesn't get you life, but it shows you which path you are on. Legalism is a dangerous thing to believe in. It's a very dangerous thing to believe in. And and I'm pleading with you, church. I am pleading with you to take a serious look at your heart and ask, where am I believing that by me keeping the commandments is getting me life? Where am I believing that keeping the commandments is earning any type of favor with God? We need to ask that question. Because far too often we look at our obedience to the commandments as bringing us life. And this, this is an exhausting and scary life to live when we're believing in this lie. So you may be thinking, okay, Max, I I know that keeping the instructions doesn't give me life. Keeping the commandments doesn't give me life. It, It shows that I'm on the path to life. But so then, what is life? Okay, this is the path that I'm on. What is the destination? Well, I think Jesus gives us a clear answer when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the life. And I know, I know, some of you right now may be thinking, but Max, I'm sitting here, I'm breathing, and I'm just, I just want to say this, I don't know about some of you. Maybe you're sleeping. Of course, it's, you're, you're physically alive. I would hope that you're physically alive right now, but this is talking about eternal life. This is talking about spiritual life, and you need to ask the question, do I have this? Have I been born again? Because if you have not been born again and do not have this life, then you are not on this path. See, I do believe that God has created us as individuals all very differently. But I also do believe that we all have a very common theme in us. And that's at one point we either were or currently are dead in our sins. with a heart of stone. The second type of person that Solomon is talking about. The one who looks at God's commandments and rejects the reproof. Or maybe a, a better word for that is rejects correction rejects discipline. This is who we either are right now or once were. 
See, God's law is perfect and it, and it exposes sin. Paul in Romans says that it wasn't law that sinned, right? So how could, how could it be that the very thing that God wrote with his finger on stone be sin? It's not the commandments. It's us who, looking at the commandments, used it for our own selfish gain. I think I heard this in a sermon a couple of weeks ago. Used it and continue to use it for our own glory, to make ourselves look like we are better than the next person. And it may be subtle, It may be subtle, but it is still there. We were chasers of our own glory. The person who rejects discipline leads others astray, and that is a scary thing to think about. When you are rejecting the discipline of God, you are leading others astray. Where are you leading others astray? Well, if you are keeping instructions and that's on the path to life, where do you think rejecting instruction leads? The path to death. So what we need to do right now is we need to look at what discipline is. Because discipline can sound like a scary thing. And in fact, I think we sometimes get discipline and affliction mixed up, right? So we think I'm being afflicted right now because God is disciplining me. And I would say we need to be careful with that. Because what the belief is right there is because of my affliction, because of what I've done, God is disciplining me. And that sounds awfully familiar to what legalism is. Can God discipline us from affliction? Can he show us where we need to be disciplined from affliction? Well, of course, but God does not afflict us by his discipline. Job's friends all over again, believing that Job was being afflicted because God was disciplining him for not keeping the commandments. Discipline is such a good thing. Proverbs 3 11 and 12 say this, My son, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves. And don't miss this last part. As a father, the son in whom he delights. This right here is amazing. Why is this amazing? Because those whom God loves and delights in, he disciplines them. That is 
a merciful and kind thing for God to do. And what is God's kindness? None other than what Paul says it is in Romans 2. God's kindness leads us to repentance. And what is repentance? Repentance is when God corrects us and shows us shows us where we have sinned against him so that we may turn from that sin and trust in Jesus. This is so awesome that God's love is like this. His love is shown through his discipline However, this makes it all the more scary for those who reject his discipline. Because when you reject the discipline of God, you are either leading others into sin or something far worse. You are leading others straight to the pits of hell. As I mentioned earlier, it was not the law that is sin. No, Paul says that the law is holy, it is righteous, and it is good. In fact, Paul says if, if it hadn't been for the law, we would not know what sin is. See, God gave us the law to reveal his glory to us. And we all fall short of that glory. That's why, that's why we, we need a Savior. That is why we need a Savior, because we fall short of the glory of God. See, we needed a Savior that would come and obey and keep the law. Not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So that the glory of God could be revealed to his creatures, his creation, in a whole new way. God tells Jeremiah that one day he is going to write his law on the hearts of his people. And that does not happen. That does not happen if there is not a sacrifice. A perfect sacrifice. A sacrifice from somebody who would keep all of the law and not miss one single aspect of it. And so... What we see in, in Philippians 2 is such a sweet passage. Church, if you are looking to memorize a passage, if you are looking to dive into God's word somewhere, Philippians 2 verses 1 through 11 is where you should go. Because God, being humble, came down in the form of a man. Being obedient to 
all of the law. Not counting equality with God, a thing that our human minds could grasp, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and dying for the sins of you and I and then raising three days later so that whoever would call on his name would be saved from their sins and justified. See, this is the amazing thing about the gospel. This is the amazing thing about Christianity is that our, com- our keeping the commandments do not lead to life, but our faith in Jesus leads to life. I'm reminded of a, of a sweet story that just happened to me a few weeks ago as Sharice and I were in, uh, in the back at Faith Kids waiting for parents to come and pick up their children. There was, there was this one girl who was waiting for her parents to come and pick her up and and she came up to me with this big smile on her face and she said, Mr. Max, Mr. Max, do you remember that one time when you preached for your class on the verse that I memorized? And I looked at her with this big smile on my face and I said, oh, I, I do remember that. Do you remember that passage? And she looked at me in this thinking face. And she said, I'm having a hard time remembering. Can you you remind me? And so I said, yeah, I'll remind you. It was was Ephesians 2, verse 8. She's like, oh, that's right, that's right. And she said, I can't, can you you give me the first couple of, of words? And so it wasn't three words in where she says, Oh, oh, that's right, Mr. Max. I remember now. I remember. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. That is amazing that it's not in me keeping the commandments that gives me life, but it is faith in Jesus because of his grace that gives me life, not my works. See, when we come to a passage like this, it's easy to believe that I obey God, I keep his commandments because that's what earns me favor. But in reality, brothers and sisters, the only reason why we obey God is the best reason is because he has saved me from his wrath and all I can do from an outpouring of my heart is live to keep his commandments. I'm reminded how I once used to live rejecting God's discipline and, and, uh, and living a life, and I'm sure there are a lot of you that remember this, where you had no inclination to ever live for these commandments, to live for the word and what it says. You did not want to live for Jesus, but for whatever reason you do now. 
And I would be a fool not to say this, that if you do not know this and your heart is not bent towards wanting to keep God's commandments to glorify Him, and you are feeling this sense of conviction, you are feeling the discipline of the Lord, it is not a time to wait. Right now is the time to repent and believe in the gospel. It is now. Indeed, only a merciful and kind God would know that we wouldn't want to keep his commandments, that he would send his son and give us his spirit so that we could glorify him by keeping his word. All right, so I know many of you probably right now are thinking, okay, Max, if, if I keep instruction, it's on the path, on the path, it's, I'm on the path, if I'm keeping the instruction to life, well, what are some, some practical ways where I know that I'm on the path? And I just want to say we need to be careful right here because this could turn into 10 steps how to know that you're on the path. And far too often that can turn into legalism where if I'm just doing these things, then I'm okay. And that is dangerous. So what I want to do is not come up with my own ideas, but simply just give you what Jesus tells me. And it's crazy how this works out because in my morning reading, I've been reading through Mark, and this is the same passage that I just read this morning. A scribe or a lawyer goes up to Jesus and asks Jesus, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus looks at him, and do you know what he says? He says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. But he doesn't stop there, does he? And this is what um, is so interesting to me, because he could have stopped there, but he doesn't. You know what he says next? Love your neighbor as yourself. And then, this is what amazes me about what he says here. Because this guy asks for one, but Jesus seems, sees the need to give him two that seem pretty inseparable. And then Jesus goes on to say, upon these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Church, we cannot separate these two. And as Christians, it is easy to look at the person who is loving their neighbor but not loving God and say, well, that person is obviously not a Christian, but it is much harder for us to wrestle with saying, if you love God but not your neighbor, you are not a Christian. And I would say that if you love God but not your neighbor, you need to check your heart. Because in 1 John chapter 3, John gives us quite a big warning. We need to be a church 
that runs towards these two commandments. This is what shows us if we are on the path to life. I mean, think about it. If you want to go through all Ten Commandments, go ahead. I just, I'm just going to use a couple. Most of us have, have parents. One of the commandments is honor your parents. Well, when you're loving God, you're going to obey His commandments by loving your parents. And who is your parent? None other than your neighbor, right? Or vice versa. Parents, your, your children's. Your children are your neighbors as well. What does it say in Colossians and Ephesians? To not provoke your children to anger. So when you're loving God, you're not going to want to provoke your children to anger. And if you're loving your neighbor, you're not going to want to provoke them either. What about coveting? We just heard a sermon last week on envy. Well, when you're loving God, you're going to be thankful with what you have. And when you're loving your neighbor, you're going to rejoice with them that they have something that you don't. I've been wrestling a lot over the past week with what I'm about to say. Because we need to be a church We need to be known by loving God and loving our neighbors. We cannot separate the two. And I've been attending here besides one year for almost 15 years of my life. And church, we have been unfaithful with keeping these two commandments. We need to reflect and ask ourselves, where have we not been keeping both? And when the Lord disciplines us when we ask, we should not, we should not believe that what I need to do now is just pull myself up by my holy bootstrap. No, we talked about that. That's legalism. What we need to do is we need to turn to Jesus and we need to trust that he is better. Far too many times, church, when we are being disciplined, when the Spirit is convicting us, we say, okay, 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 I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better next time. Instead of saying, Lord, I believe that you're better, help my unbelief. We cannot just say we're going to do better next time. We need to put our faith in Jesus and say, I believe. I believe you're better. I believe you're better than my sinful heart. I believe. Help my unbelief. So we've seen two types of people. The person who rejects reproof and the person who keeps the commandments. We know that it's not the keeping of the commandment that 
brings us life. It's Jesus that brings us life. But we also know, like, like what James says, faith without works is dead faith. And the keeping of the commandments shows us that we are on the path to life. We've seen that discipline is God's kindness and mercy towards his children that leads to repentance. So church, let us be known by the world, by our community, Marinette, Menominee, Peshigo, Coleman, Lena, Pound, wherever you're from, that we are on the path to life because we are loving God and loving our neighbors. And when we are being disciplined, we turn to Jesus and trust that he is way better than anything we could ever possibly turn to. Jesus, we need you right now. Please, Father, would you convict us of the sin that's in our hearts and lead us back to you and your glorious truths. Father, we want to be a people that keep your commandments, that show that we are on the path to life. And if any of us in here are believing that it's the commandments that bring us life, that you would strip us from that false belief that the day that we repented and believed in your name, that you are Jesus, that you are Lord over all, that you've saved us, and that we obey you because we want to glorify you. And when you discipline us, Lord, thank you that it's showing your love and kindness that leads us back to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.